Welcome to the Afro Aloha podcast. I'm your host, Amy Benson, and today I have Irie Love. Irie Love is a, a recording art, uh, earth protecting recording art artist, also a youth advocate and a wellness curator. Born and raised Kailua. Kailua? <laughs> Kailua. Kailua. <laughs> I have to make sure I say that correctly. Yes. Because um, a lot of times I might say it incorrectly. No worries. Kailua. Kailua, perfect. Yeah, born and yeah. raised. Yes. Hey, thanks for being here with us. Absolutely. Yeah, we are. I'm really stoked to to have you um, here in the studio, and I know that you are working on a new album. Yes. Yes. But before we talk about what you're working on currently, I really would like to just take a, a, a you know, step back, a walk down memory lane as far as you know, how was it growing up in Kailua? Yeah. Um, great question, because it's definitely changed a lot. Um, I was born in 1982, so um, yeah, shout out to the 80s babies, babies out there. Uh, the ones who came in just before the introduction of cell phones and the internet and social media and this whole new world that we're all adjusting to, right? Right. So yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, we rode bikes everywhere or walked and went to the beach almost every day. And we were just outside yeah. all the time, yeah. you know? And so I find that it's really sad to me to see that the kids don't have just that ingrained appreciation for being outside mm. and how magical this place is to be here in Hawaii. Um, it's the land that holds the energy of the magic. Right. And so if you're not connecting with her, then you're missing a lot of what can be experienced here and downloaded. Mm. So that's one of my biggest things with being a youth advocate is just encouraging kids here to, um, you know, find ways to just get off their screens for a moment yeah. and just feel what it feels like to have social connection, to have nature connection, because it's such a huge foundation of who I am because of my experience growing up here. And so, you know, now I've taken on hiking and I do that all the time to reconnect because I think we do have to find a balance. Obviously, right now we are using technology yeah. to share messages and connect with people. Sure. So it's beneficial and I see that, but I think with everything in life, it has to be a balance. Mm -hmm. And so growing up in Kailua, it was a small town. It was local people. Um, you know, we used to have, for those of you who remember, if you know, you know, Liberty House and like these other stores in Kailua that we missed. Times is still holding it down. Okay. Um, but, you know, just a real local, small town feel mm -hmm. and a very just organic experience. And I believe that my soul chose to come into this space for a particular reason because it helped me to be able to cultivate a certain tenacity or um, just inner strength yeah. to be able to endure what we are now going through in humanity and be sort of like a bridge mm. and you know being multicultural multi-ethnic growing up in a mixed family um, you know Hawaii itself is such a melting pot I have so many different influences that I've been able to pull from to curate who I am and how I present myself to the world. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, you know, my environment growing up in Kailua specifically really played a huge foundational role in making up who I am and how I'm able to experience and share my world. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
I, that's that's so beautiful to process. Like yeah. I, like even even for me, like I can feel the energy yeah. in this room right now. And I just where did you see the shift of you know the the disconnect with the youth and and outside, but not just that. Growing up in Kalua, you said it was a very, you know, hometown feel. Mm-hmm. Everyone was really connected to nature. Yeah. Do you remember the, the moment in your upbringing where that began to shift? Maybe you weren't able to recognize it in real time, right? Yeah, maybe. yeah. But you noticed things started to, you know, maybe there's more visitors, maybe yeah. different. The neighborhoods started looking different, like, yeah. Was there any like key indicators that you were like, oh, oh, absolutely, this is this is shifting? Yeah, I mean, when they started bringing the tour buses over, they built like a tour bus stop in Kailua at one of our shopping centers, and they started bringing in tourists from Waikiki, mm-hmm. and so then they would come in big droves rather than just like one or two cars that would yeah. figure out how to get over the pulley and find Lanikai Beach, yeah. um, indigenously known as Kaohao, not Lanikai, mm-hmm. um, but. When the tour buses came over, you know, the beautiful thing that we do love as Kailuans, if you will, are um, the Japanese tourists. I just want to give a shout out to them because they've been coming forever and Hawaii has a, a long history with Japan. Yeah. And we have a beautiful integration of their culture into our, cult- our culture. Right. And they just have such a beautiful way of living Pono and traveling Pono. They are like the divine example of how to be a tourist. Mm. They love Hawaii. They, they support Hawaii. They are courteous and kind and hilarious and adorable. And just everything about their energy and their essence is what we love to have here as visitors. So it's not really that we don't want visitors because right. that would be like, you know, we don't want to hoard Hawaii. Hawaii is a magical place for everyone to experience. But it's really coming here and honoring that mm-hmm. magic and honoring where you are and what has already been established here for so many eons. And that's really what I think caused the change is when tourists that were non-Japanese, let's say, were coming over, you know, they're leaving their trash on the beach, smoking their cigarettes and using the beach as an ashtray. Um, you know, just like walking all over the streets and riding their bikes in the middle of the streets without any consideration that people live here. Yeah. This, this is our home. It's not right. Disneyland. Yeah. So, um, you know, that transition started to happen towards the end of my high school mm-hmm. days. Okay. So were you, really, what year are we talking? We're 2000, talking 2000. The mal- class of the millennium, <laughs> as we <laughs> say. Okay. Class of the millennium. Big, big news. Okay. <laughs> so when that cusp of like, People starting to have phones. I remember I had a pager, and oh, I thought yeah. I thought it was so cool. Because okay. everyone, all of us were cool if we had a pager. <laughs> I'm like looking at. Yeah, remember the letters? Did you ever do that? Yeah. Like the numbers yeah. would be letters yeah. and have codes oh, yeah. and. So, yeah, it just started at the end of my high school career. So I really got a full childhood without any of the technology. And then I went to college in California. So I left, and then when I would come back, it was just like. Like, where am I? Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Like, everything was just shifting so quickly. And, you know, unfortunately, the the shadow side, I think, of technology is when people started geotagging things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I saw that happen in real time. So, like, I got here in 
2013. Okay. And so social media was like in an interesting place right. around that time. Yeah. Like it, it, it was, it was slow on Facebook uh -huh. and you know, right. And then Instagram was popping off and then Twitter was popping off. And so like geotags were like blasting off. Right. Right. And then it's the hikes, you know, when yeah. people go on the hikes and there's certain hikes that are really, really sacred. I mean, all hikes here are sacred. Going into nature is a sacred practice. But, you know, they would go in and just trash the place, yeah. you know, and or even just wearing sunscreens and all these toxic chemicals pouring into the vi, into the water um, and damaging the nature. Right. I mean, even if you hike anywhere on the continental U.S., like it's always to leave it how you found mm -hmm. it or leave it even better, better than you even found better it. Than right. You found it. So that part, I think, was really um, devastating for us, you know, as Native Hawaiians. It's just, we love this place. It's, a, it's our family. This land is our family. And so to see it being abused and misused um, was really devastating because I think with a lot of the world problems, it's like, well, what can I do to stop it? Mm -hmm. You know, how can I change this or how can we educate people? Right. Um, and what I've found now later in life is just I have to embody it because I can't solve all the world's problems. I can't re-educate the entire planet. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's a task that's just an impossibility, and I don't really think that it's our kuleana as individual human beings to try to change other people. Yeah. Kuleana meaning responsibility, responsibility. for those Yes. Okay. So if we can focus on that, and I say we also acknowledging, you know, myself, this is my practice, is to constantly embody anything that I feel needs to be changed within my own life first. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, that reminds me of like what my mom used to say, like um, charity begins at home mm. is something that Nigerians say a lot. Okay. And it just means that basically you have to start at home first. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, ha you have to make those changes within your household, within your, your own self. Yes. And then you can, lead by example and you can share that knowledge you can help educate you can you know really contribute yes um and so another way that you continue to contribute is through your music and um i know that you are working on a current album right now and yeah. you were in paris for a little bit but uh before we kind of dive into that i you know i want to know about what led you to uh you know begin being a recording artist or being inspired by the music and I'm always so fascinated you know your pro your prominent genre is reggae right yes 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 and what I really you know when I first got here in two, uh, 2014 everyone was like oh there's no there's no black culture in Hawaii and I was so conflicted by that because everywhere every station was playing reggae <laughs> right. and I'm like how can you have not have you know like right. you know so it didn't make sense right. and so I'm like okay what really like how did reggae make it from the Caribbean you know to the Pacific yeah. I mean that's a long ways right yeah. so um and then I started digging around a little further and say oh wow like they they really adopted reggae as a vessel during their own uh, liberation movements yes. with the Native Hawaiian sovereignty movements and um, Bob Marley came here in the late 70s on tour and yeah. that was really Hawaii's introduction to, to, to reggae and I really think that's an amazing time because not only was 
Hawaii going, you know, really having these liberation movements, there was a renaissance yes. of culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not just here in the Pacific, you know, even in the continent, continental U.S., like, uh, people were using hip hop right. to, to really uh, get get those messages out. And, exactly. Um, you know, in Nigeria and West Africa specifically, Fela Kuti was pioneering yes. Afrobeats, and he was another activist. Yes. And so all of these things were happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so did you just automatically gravitate towards reggae? Because reggae was very new right. at that time. Is that how you were inspired to, to yeah, make so reggae music. It's interesting that you bring up Bob Marley because um, so my father was here playing football at University of Hawaii around that time. And he saw Bob Marley at the Waikiki show. And he actually saw Bob Marley several times all over the world. But particularly here, um, you know, I know everybody has very different belief systems. But for me, my understanding of our existence is that we lay out a path and then we get here and we can kind of navigate how we will, but there is a, a, a divine design, if you will, that yeah. we sort of lay out. And so my father coming here and having, you know, all of his Jamaican influence, but growing up in San Francisco and Seattle and then coming here to play football and meeting my mom and going to see Bob Marley. My mom was 17 when she got pregnant with me. He said he used to put headphones on her belly and play reggae music oh wow all the time yeah and it was almost just like and he gave me the name Irie my mom wanted to name me Jasmine I know so many girls that look like me named Jasmine (laughs) shout out to all my Jasmines out there (laughs) but that ain't me I'm Irie and I just feel like you know it's these breadcrumbs that we have and if we choose to open our eyes to that type of perspective then life can be really fucking magical am i allowed to say that Mm -hmm. absolutely okay great yes Yes. (laughs) so i believe that i you know had a destiny Mm. to be somehow involved in music and specifically reggae um with with the name and the influence and the way that my dad set me up. So my dad actually had um, to participate in a, is it the NAACP? Mm-hmm. Um, they had a case out here for some racial discrimination that was going on with some of the players. And so he was a part of that. And so he actually had um, a really tough time when he was here playing football, um, being discriminated against for being a big, beautiful black man. And, so his experience here, unfortunately, was not good. Mm-hmm. And so he hasn't really returned except for when I graduated from high school. Really? Yeah. And I understand that. And, you know, whenever we have severe trauma, um, you know, it can fracture us. Yeah. And to revisit that takes a lot. And we're not always in one lifetime able to have the capacity to go in and face something to heal it. Sometimes we have to do it in other ways. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm trying to get him to come back here eventually because this is such a huge part of who I am. But I'm so grateful that he did come here and give me those breadcrumbs because it did kind of define my path. Okay, I've tried to navigate away from music and from reggae, but I just keep getting nudged back. Right. You know, and it's so this it's this beautiful dance of like the divine plan and then my own ego being like, no, actually, we're going to do this because this is fun and this is dope. And like, I'm more expansive than like one lane. (laughs) Like, I hear you, girl. But also there is. Yeah. 
yeah, you got to stay rooted, you know? Shout out to my girl Kimia. We have this song called Rooted, and it's such a foundational aspect of, like, my perspective as how we can really best be um, stewards of our own lives mm -hmm. is to remain rooted yeah. and then grow your branches in all the directions you want. Right. But just nourish those roots and that's what reggae music is for me mm. yeah i love it i love I, I just with with reggae music you know i feel like first and foremost you have like the perfect name <laughs> irie love like i mean it's it's just like marketable right you know what i mean like right. even, even marketing 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 <laughs> marketing 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 <laughs> <laughs> Even if you weren't like a musician or right. like you almost with a name like that, you're destined to be like who you are. Like, I feel like names always matter, like sure. it, especially like, you know, in, in indigenous cultures or, you know, just people that live in traditions that mean something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I, I think that's really dope. When did when did your when did your dad leave for you? Um, well, right after graduation from UH. So oh, okay. I think he was only here for like just those exact four years. And then he went to the NFL and played professional for another five to 10 years. I can't really remember. But yeah, he was a linebacker for the Chargers, the Falcons and the Dolphins. Really? In the 80s. So um, and he's still fit as fuck training like he's training for something. I don't know what. <laughs> 63 years old. <laughs> Can't stop running those stairs. <laughs> he outruns me on the stairs. What? So, oh, period. Man. It's the genetics. Yeah. Grateful. Yeah. Do you remember any of like like because you were born early eighties? Yeah. Eighty two. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. do you remember him being like a football player? Like, do you remember? Yeah. I mean, he was huge. Really. I mean, he's still big, but he's does not as bulky as he was. But yeah. and you know, photos. I mean, it's so interesting too. Like growing up in the last time where your whole life isn't recorded. Like kids nowadays, like yeah. you can't slip yeah. up and not have that recorded. Right. So just mind your business right? because everyone's going to have a replay of every single thing that you yeah. do. We didn't have that. I got some photos. I was just, I'm staying at my auntie's house right now and we like busted out some old photo books. And it's so interesting how it really is capturing a moment in time when we take a photo where I looked at these photos that I had to like, I feel like mm. a Rolodex in my subconscious is opening up and I'm starting to remember smells and tastes and sounds and all these things that were tied to this moment that I had completely forgotten that I even even experienced. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there is anything. Um, I mean, I think that the people who grew up in the 80s we have such a different, I don't know, it's like we're a different breed of human. I, I agree. You know? Yeah. And I don't know um, how the worlds are going to merge. I know that they are. And like I said, again, um, being a bridge, mm -hmm. I try to uphold that in every aspect of my life, whether it's music or friendships or my family or, um, you know, when I travel to other places and being an ambassador of Hawaii, mm -hmm. like, you mentioned I was in Paris for a month yeah, recording. Yeah, yeah, how was that? And, you know, I had such a beautiful experience. And then at the same time in the background, my father was in his last days with cancer. Um, and he just passed away on November 30th. 
And so while I was there, I'm focusing on recording the album and FaceTiming my dad. And I'm torn in these two spaces of being able to finally create and curate an album, which is, this is the first time I've ever done that in my career. I started in 1999. I took a five-year hiatus in mm -hmm, 2017. And I've been trying to come back and find the right connection and, you know, dabbling in different types of music because I love everything. And like I said, I got nudged back to reggae and my new team and my new manager was just like, you had one successful song with this producer that went to millions and millions of streams really quickly. What if you went to Paris mm. and recorded a whole album with him? Dope. And so I was like, okay. Yeah. I remember when it. you said you were going to right. Paris, I was like, blessings right yeah so i just took the opportunity and you know i was so honored and grateful to have the opportunity because you know full transparency i've had people taking my royalties and my publishing for my entire career and i'm just starting to be able to clean that up so i can actually really build a financial foundation from my music how did that how does that happen see i think yeah we don't really dive into right. that right the bts is yeah. real yeah. real yeah and so how okay you you really said a lot right yeah. then right you went yeah. to paris and and you also mentioned that your father just recently passed away yes. so sorry to hear that Thank you. and you know i i, I do want to talk about like you know how that has impacted you how you yeah. continue on his legacy um you know maybe how you're navigating or that process, that yeah. healing process. Um, but but before that, because my thoughts go so many places, of because you said, you said a lot of really important things mm -hmm. just then of the music, yeah. of, of really um, trying to fight or claw your way back yeah. from exactly. some of the decisions or maybe even some of the predatory behavior that happens Absolutely. in the music industry. Absolutely. Um, do you feel like you've 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 leveled out and said now i know like that experience was horrible and some bullshit yeah and it won't happen again because now i know better now i know now i know better and i've done so much work on myself i called in trauma and one of the most traumatic things i had happen was my divorce and not because i love romance and i wanted to be in love forever but because my whole world, my music, my mm. Hawaii, my family, everything was integrated into my marriage. Wow. And so when it got ripped from under me and nobody really saw the cracks that led up to it, they just saw us pull the plug, mm -hmm. it traumatized my entire community. Oh, wow. And so I had to take on everyone's trauma of, oh my gosh, like this example of what true love or what people working together to uplift each other or the, you know, whatever perfect couple people have in yeah, their the minds. Yeah, the couples goals. Right. Thing, couples right. goals. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. that bullshit, right? Right. It shattered. And so me being the oldest grandchild, the oldest daughter, the tallest person, there's a lot of kuleana responsibility that comes with that role that I've taken on in this life where I try to be the strong one for everybody. And for the first time, everybody saw me shattered. Yeah. And everyone lost their shit. So I had to leave. You Hawaii. had to leave. I had to go. I didn't want to, but I had to. And so during that time, I worked on myself so deeply that I now am at a place where I'm so grateful for that experience. Mm. I have so much gratitude for grief. And that grief prepared me for the grief with my father. Wow. 
But I didn't know that until now. Because now I have so many modalities to heal myself, to put myself in an objective space and look at my grief and look at what I'm experiencing and allowing and surrendering rather than judging and trying to control and shame and guilt myself or move through it or Mm -hmm. be strong. Like those are all programs that we've been conditioned to believe are necessary in order for us to survive. But really that's just keeping us in this victimhood that puts us in a position where we're more controllable. Right. We're more susceptible to influence that's outside of our inner knowing, right? Mm. Our na'au, our, our intuition. And so now I feel like I am the version of myself that I really came to be. Wow. But I just got into her. So we're settling in. <laughs> this is a new bitch, new year, new bitch. But <laughs> it feels really good. Let me tell like, you. Hello. Like, it feels hello. really good. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, grief is heavy. Grief is one of the heaviest experiences we can have as humans. And so, and grieving my father, who, you know, just a little background on him. He was HPD here. He was on the SWAT team since he was 21 years old. It was his dream as a kid. And he was actually my stepfather um, who came into our lives. Okay, because I, I was going to get back to that and, yeah. and, and sort of clarify, yes. you know, uh, for the people that are getting to know you. Right. right? So blended so, family. Blended family. Okay. Yes. Okay. He um, is a California boy whose family used to come here surfing all the time. He met my mom. She was a single mom with two girls. My sister was two. I was four. And he immediately fell in love with us and basically adopted us and became our father. So I had my biological father who was still on the continent playing football and I would see him during the summers, but we lived here with my mom. Okay. And so he then became our everyday father. Right. And he was an incredible young man who just, I mean, now looking back, I'm like, he was so young to take on the responsibility of somebody else's children Mm -hmm. in the way that he did. But his stepfather did the exact same thing for him. Yes. His, him and his brother were adopted by his stepfather. And so that beautiful example and legacy was passed on and he nurtured us as his own. And we had this beautiful blended experience where, you know, now I have this grief that I'm experiencing from him not being physically present in my life. But I'm so honored and grateful that I had the time with him that I did. And I'm able to really remain in this state of gratitude, gratitude. and deeper connection now that he's not in his physical body yeah and the most human is yes yeah and i think it's where i'm at with my dad really and like our relationship is growing in the post right which is so trippy right because so much of our conditioning is like when someone's gone they're gone Mm -hmm. but from all of the remembering as i call it that i've done over the last five six years in this full karmic cycle that i'm at now at the end of that traumatic event for me in 2017 to now be experiencing another traumatic event from such a different vantage point is this beautiful experience of just honoring my humanity Mm. and being able to do that and at the same time curate this new music And to put all of that into this music has been such a magical experience. And I'm so honored and ready to share, share it, it with yeah, the I'm world. I'm ready to hear it. So right? when can we expect the... And thank you for, for sharing all of this with yeah. us. Like, yeah. I, I just feel so 
honored to even have you here in the studio and giving, you know, not only me an opportunity, but the people listening an opportunity to get to know you more and yeah. how so many uh, milestones and, you know, events have right. impacted where you are right now in this current moment yeah. and, and how you've been able to, to really uh, utilize those experiences and put it into this new project. Yeah. What's the name? Can we, what's the name of the new project? Oh, is it a secret? I don't know if I'm. Oh, you're not ready. Okay. That's a, able okay. To release okay. Okay. So can you tell us I can when to first, expect it? Yes. I can tell you the first single. Okay. Cause it's done. We shot the video. Is it out yet? It's coming out January 19th. Can you, Give us a sample. <laughs> it's early, girl. Oh, damn it. I tried. It's called Sugar. I tried, y'all. I shot Folks, the music I tried. Video. <laughs> My sister wrote the song for I, me. So your sister, that's another, okay, but continue. You, Your sister also is a phenomenal musician as well. Yes, she owns her own and, studio yeah. with her husband Engineer, in Las producer. Vegas. Yeah. Yes. Shout out to Tiana Shy. She yeah owns her own studio. She's one of very few female engineers, mm-hmm. studio engineers. She also does like um, she built a whole film studio. She built all the rooms. Um, Future just filmed at their studio, so they've really been blowing up, and they're doing a lot of stuff with like local people of go- uh, people of color in the government there. Yeah, and dope. Yeah, they're just really they're doing um, outreach programs with kids, and they're building a whole youth education program. We're going to start empowering kids and teaching them all these skills yeah. that they can use and possibly work at the studio with Love them. It. So yeah, she's on a beautiful trajectory, and we finally have come together and been able to create this magical music Oh my gosh, how exciting. I even went to Vegas and recorded the song at In the studio. studio. Because I'm like, we got to do it at your studio. You have to. This is- Like, what are we even doing? This is her house. Period. Period. So she vocally produced it. She sang all the backgrounds. She wrote this whole song for me. I just gave her the idea, the concept. And it's called Sugar. And it's called Sugar. And that's going to be the first single. Mm -hmm. In January. (laughs) January January 19th. 19th. Yeah. It's going to be streaming everywhere? Everywhere, yeah. yeah. So we're going to do, I have a new publicist here. We're going to be doing a whole, I don't know what you call that now, press junket? Yeah. yeah. Press tour? <laughs> yeah. Is that what they call it? <laughs> we're going to be promoting it. So you're going to see my face a lot. Everywhere. Possibly in this green dress every time because I feel really good in this green dress. <laughs> Period. I'm doing a capsule wardrobe. <laughs> no, I'm not. Maybe I am. Who knows? January 19th. Yes. That's dope. Yeah. Like, you know, and you know, with with, so when you came back, um, I think when I when you came back, I saw you in uh, last year, twenty twenty two, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yo, what, where you been?" And you're like, "Yeah, I've been gone for like six years." You know, I took a, a break yeah, from music, but yeah. I'm really diving into a lot of curating the wellness right. and and fast forward to 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 see, and, and that's just like in a year, right? Like I've seen yeah. you within that year, but. Yeah. To, to really be able to put out such a, a, a new uh, project with everything that has transpired is just, like, really, really beautiful. And it's yeah. a testament to, to what you said earlier, just about alignment and timing. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, trusting, trusting the, the divine timing and surrender have been massive themes for me in the last, I would say the last two years. The three years before that, I was just 
at war with like ego and divine plan, like constant tug of war Mm -hmm. and just really, you know, not wanting to be here anymore. And I mean, on earth. So, and I think that a lot of people, and I know that a lot of people can resonate with Mm -hmm. that because I hear people sharing their stories with me. You know, I curate these sound healing, um, events as well where I play the crystal bowls and I do vocalization and tribal vocalizing and just really create a space of frequency healing for people to have an opportunity to allow themselves Mm -hmm. to heal themselves because I don't call myself a healer everyone heals themselves but I've been given gifts and modalities and rememberings from my ancestral bloodlines and from my own experience that I can share with people that empower them to heal themselves and so when I'm doing stuff like that I realize just how important it is to to always be as transparent and authentic as I possibly can. Because I would never want someone to look at me, like I'll give a funny story. One time I was in Forever 21. I don't shop there anymore. (laughs) Cause I I know it ain't Pono, it ain't Pono. (laughs) It ain't Pono. It ain't Pono. (laughs) But I was in Forever 21 years ago and here in Hawaii and these young girls came up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe you shop at Forever 21. You're such a huge celebrity. And I literally laughed and I felt so bad because I was like, they looked so disappointed and confused when I started yeah. laughing because I think I kind of thought they were joking, but they were serious. Right. And so I just realized how much we can create these personalities or people can create these personalities and ideologies of who we are yeah. that could be so far, far from the truth. From the truth or even how your own truth right. Right, is their truth in their head. Right. You know. And then I took on this crazy responsibility to like try to uphold that idea. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not who I am. And I learned recently studying more about frequency that authenticity is actually a higher frequency than love. I didn't, I couldn't see that. And so my name is love. That's my real name. Shout out to my family for starting Love's Bakery. We're bringing it back somehow, some way. Somehow, some way. But often, dropping all these gems. You know, these- we got 45 minutes, girl. I'm going to let you know. Yeah. Period. Did y'all know that? I I, I personally knew that, but I recently found that out. Yeah. That your your family uh, is the one who started Love's Bakery. Yeah, yeah. So that's where the love comes from. Yeah. But but authenticity, like, I just want to encourage folks to be in your most authentic self in every aspect Mm -hmm. of your being. Because when we do that is when we actually amplify the collective. We came to be individuals or we wouldn't be individuals right like it's pretty simple and straightforward be you as big and as bold as you possibly can and so i'm just daily on a daily trying to embody that myself yeah you know that's that's so beautiful do you do you like you you're back now you're back in kalua Kailua. Kailua. I know. It's okay. You got, your, look, you got your that's, accent. That's the, look, that's the Alabama and that Najah all just blended together. Because <laughs> look, I'm the colors get, of the rainbow. Yeah, Kailua. There you go. Um, are you, you're you're back now, right? Yeah, you're yeah. back living in, in in Kailua. Yeah, I'm here. I'm yeah. staying with family right now, and I'm intending to get my own place here again. I've yeah. been kind of floating and right. nomadic for the last six years, but yeah. going back to that being rooted. I just, I found that I'm starting to experience a little bit of anxiety every time I'm switching spaces. Mm. 
And I'm like, that's my nervous system talking to me. I'm really about being in tune with my body and allowing it to tell me what it needs because that also is a part of the divine plan, that guidance system. And so before it turns into dis-ease or into unwellness, I'm going to listen and I'm going to adjust. So I reached out to my community and I just said, I'm ready to move home. Yeah. Help me find a place. Help me find a place. Are you, are you going to be hosting any, uh, you know, music nights uh, in Kailua? Yeah. In fact, Kailua could really use you back. Period. I mean, period. if we've been honest. Right. So that's the movement is to hold the line. Yeah. I'm not going to let them push us out anymore. Yeah. I'm going to be home and together as local people, as Kama'aina even, we're mm-hmm. going to hold the line. Yeah. We're going to be a representation of Aloha straight across the board. And you can see it in the different faces too because we're all a melting pot of cultures mm-hmm. and ethnicities. Yeah. But it's the frequency and the heart vibration that we are emitting in our daily lives that has to be represented in a bold way. In a bold way. And I'm a bold bitch. Right. In period. A bold, period. Period. Yeah. So that's what we're doing at Kailua right now. Okay. Can we, how, how, how do, how do we come find you? How do we pull up on yes. you? Is it, you so know, I anything just, we can pull up to? We could pull up. We could pull up. We've got Irie Aloha Fridays, which I just started in Kailua oh. at Sessions. Okay. Um, at we, Sessions? Yes. Okay. That's going to be possibly every Friday, maybe not. I'm going to be obviously promoting the album, so I'll be traveling. But when I'm here, I'm hosting it live. I'm collaborating with my boy Mike, and he and I are both hosting there. Okay. So we're going to have live music. We're oh. going to have DJ music. But oh. it's going to be the foundation is reggae. So it's yeah. a reggae night. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm also going to be curating the sound healings at Olanani Aku Oasis, which is my sister's, my Hanai sister's um, acupuncture clinic in Kailua. Okay. Where I do the sound bowls. We're going to do that once a month. So the next one is January 28th. Perfect. What um, time? It's usually around 5.30 in the evening. Okay. It's on a Sunday. We'll make sure we, we put the info on. on yes, yeah, please. So thank you. Yeah, so wellness. I'm also working with the unschooling program. I'm going to be teaching the kids how to empower their voice, Um, working with these collective of parents who are unschooling their children. So we can put a link to that, too, if people want to find out more about that. You know, the when you say unschooling, so not going to traditional schooling. Exactly. Yeah. So homeschooling, if you will. But Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily at home they're out right. they're out in the world, in the world. Mm-hmm. yeah learning from nature learning from community learning from experience Ooh, i love it so yeah it's a really beautiful movement that's begun that i'm going to be participating in as a mentor and a teacher as well um so yeah i've got a ton of things coming up too with the new publicist and the new album but that's all still in process of being planned so i'm so excited for you yeah thank like it's you. just like it's it's it's, it's nice to meet the new ivory love Yes. You know, yes. <laughs> you, you're meeting her too. Right. Period. Still get to know this bitch. Okay. She complicated. <laughs> and the unschooling, you know, the, the, the idea of like unschooling mm-hmm. sort of reminds me of like how people think about like uncoupling. Okay. You know, when they say, okay, like we're going to be, it's, a, it's essentially a separation. Rather than a, break, right? Yeah, rather than a break. Yeah. It's like an uncoupl- uncoupling. I love that. Of, uh, you know. That union, yeah, right? yeah, and with that, are you are you in a relationship now? Or is there I a love not. interest? Because I don't think the people would forgive me if I. There are certain people that I feel like they're like certain hey, people hey, in particular. <laughs> 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 
we'll discuss seriously. we'll discuss that off camera yeah yeah maybe we um, should uh, but seriously people I'm are available like, I'm okay, healed okay. I've done my Ava- shadow available work. and healed you, um, everybody hear that available and healed <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also so healed that I ain't about no drama don't miss me with the drama miss okay. me with the games okay. I'm mature yeah I'm a grown-ass bitch okay grown. I know who I am and I love solitude So it has to be in addition to, or you're in my way, but I love companionship, you know? Dope. Dope. Here for it. What was the name of, uh, what was the name of your sister's studio in Vegas again? Sorry. I just. Yes. Gas Station Studios. Okay. Cause I didn't think that we said that. We didn't. Gas Station Studios and then Gas Station Film Studios. I actually did this, a hilarious video that I'll send you that you can tag or whatever okay. where I went into each room of her film studio when I first went to see it and did like a little spoof commercial for her yeah. but she literally built like seven or eight I think they have a whole nother one now totally different themed rooms where you can shoot your music videos and so cool she designed and built everything herself so I know I'm gonna I'm check like it out the next time I'm braggadocious about my sister but it's actually fucking dope What's the inspiration for some of us uh, behind some the of this jewels? artwork? The, I, I want to get to the jewels, but the the artwork too. Mm, the artwork. Um, shout out to Simon Halpert at One Point Tattoo in Kailua. Okay, this you be rep, you be repping the hometown, don't it? You know, you got to. You be repping the hometown. Period. I, I love that. One Point Tattoo. Simon is the goat. He's tattooed so many of my friends now, but I found him because I really I started getting henna all the time because I am a yoga teacher, and when I did my yoga training, I really amplified my um, understanding and integration of Hindi culture and these um, symbols of sacred geometry. And I would get henna all the time and I was like, why don't I just get that permanently instead of going to get it done all the time? It's messy. So long story short, I found him, he's amazing. We designed this together and he, yeah, tattooed my whole arm pretty much. We're almost done. Yeah, I love it. But yeah, this side too. And the mandala is just um, a symbol that we can use to quiet the mind and center ourselves and tap into the present moment. So to have that on my body and to hold these sacred moments because every seven years our cells regenerate and replenish, but the tattoos stay. So like a picture, it's holding a certain frequency, a moment in time and intention that I had, even though my body is ever changing, I'm still holding these moments and these memories Mm. to guide me and to remember where I've come from so that I can know where I'm continuing. Oh, you just took us to church and (laughs) sanctuary and the chapel and all of it. Yeah. All of it. Just, just finger temples. If there was three things that, you would want to leave with the people, uh, you know, when they're watching this and listening to this. And if they, if there's nothing else that they remember Mm -hmm. in this uh, sit down with you, what are three key things that you would like for each person to walk away with? Mm. I think the first thing that is fresh on my heart is that we are eternal. This life is temporary, but we as souls, as infinite beings, we are eternal. And so honoring that um, with your daily choices, I think, is crucial right now, especially um, when people are feeling lost or hopeless. There's coming back to that. We are eternal. And... I guess the second thing would be authenticity. Yeah. Be your most authentic self. I cannot say that enough. Um, it is a new 
uh, mission and purpose for me. So I'm on this journey with everyone, but I'm going to be amplifying that frequency everywhere that I go. Um, because I think that's what's really going to be our spring. Our essence is finally going to come to this flourishing moment mm-hmm. when we can all do that. And I would say the third thing would be just to be kind. Mm. Just simply be kind because I find there's so much lack energy that causes people to go into the space of needing to take from yeah. others. Yeah. And that's just not even necessary. We live in an infinitely abundant universe and we have been tricked and bamboozled to think that we are not. Yeah. There is an infinite amount of everything available to everyone if we can remember how to access it. And the way that we do that is just by being kind. Yeah. Unity would literally solve every single issue we have in our existence Mm. and I'm saying that from my own research and from teachers that I've studied and from one of the only cultures that we still have that was never colonized which is the Hindu culture one of the most ancient cultures Ethiopian culture holds a lot of the same frequencies they were not colonized and so we don't have that washing away of those foundational frequencies that are still present in this day and I see there's a a Ganesha studio uh, statue here in the room which is one of my favorite deities in the Hindu culture representing the as the remover of obstacles and it's really just symbols for us to remember that we have those powers inside Inside of all of us yes yes thank you for for being here and sharing all of that with us like I just feel I need to take a deep breath right now yeah. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Breathe. Yeah. Breathe. Ooh. A fourth thing. Breathe. Always come back to the breath. Yeah. How can we find you? This is Irie Love. This is Irie Love everywhere. Yeah. Social media. Hollow. Yeah. Social media. Yeah. That's my thing. So, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all of the things. <laughs> um, what do they call it? X. Are A you website. On X? Are you know X? Is that Twitter? <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that part. Yeah. Your, your website is Irie Love? <laughs> this is Irie Love. This is Irie Love. Okay. Yeah. So this is Irie Love all across the board. Yeah. Again, thank you for being here. I'm your host, Amy Benson. Uh, tap into the Afro Aloha podcast, which is streaming on all uh, major platforms right now. Uh, as far as how to find us, you can find us on Instagram at Afro Aloha podcast, um, as well as on they they made us do TikTok, y'all. <laughs> they made they us. made us do TikTok. So they made we, us all. Yeah, yeah. So all across the board, Afro Aloha podcast, and uh, we are out. Aloha, aloha.